Boss! 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 Welcome in to a post-Valentine's Day edition of At The Buzzer, which is a Ralph Report podcast. Of course you know that by now. We talk about Colorado athletics, the good, the bad, the mostly the ugly. And we are back again to uh, talk about a bunch of different stuff that's happened since we last recorded at the end of January. Uh, we're in football offseason, which means we don't have a weekly schedule we're sticking to, but we're in the middle of the basketball season. And there's been plenty of updates on this young team since then. Um, and in general, the Colorado world has been moving since we've last hopped in the mics. So I am one co-host, Jack. Uh, over there is another co-host, Sam. Hello, Sam. Hi, how's it going? It's okay. We, uh, like I said, we're recording this after Valentine's Day. I hope you got to spend yours with the ones you love, Sam. Well, I spend mine in quarantine because I have COVID, so. Oh, yeah, that's right. And you're feeling okay. <laughs> yeah, so it's okay. okay. I, it's, like, it's, it's not that bad. It's just like a cold for me. I got it from one of my, uh, my friends in class. Um, she had just gotten her booster shot the day before and showed up sick as hell and thought that it was because of the booster shot. Why go to that? Is the reason and, you get a booster shot? And now, and now there's off. like ten of us. Ten of us in the class have COVID now. Oh man! <laughs> and there's only like thirty five people. Take take the get the booster uh, shot, especially for the day off. Come on now, that's why you yeah. get the booster. Um, yeah. So yeah, I. I had that type of Valentine's Day, it was fine. Otherwise, um, I I stayed up till 4 a.m. watching the Super Bowl and then woke up, felt terrible, and thought it was because I stayed up too late and ate too much uh, chicken nuggets and hamburgers the day before <laughs> because I was like, I've got to keep – I replaced the chicken wings with chicken nuggets because I don't know how to cook chicken wings and uh, kept the <laughs> Super Bowl tradition alive of feeling terrible because I'm eating garbage, and then it turned out to be COVID instead. So, doing great. <clears throat> yeah, my uh, all of my missteps are, are self-inflicted. Unlike you, uh, I've spent Monday night completely burning up in my apartment because uh, my heating, my thermostat was like broken, so I couldn't turn my <laughs> heating off. Uh, so I woke up and at like uh, one in the morning, and it was like eighty-five in my apartment. You know, it's like thirty outside. It was I was so hot. So I just opened all the windows because I couldn't figure out how to turn it off and to do all this crazy stuff. Um, so I'm living in a self-inflicted sauna. Um, That's not too bad. No, it's not. And it's it's all dumb. It's just me being dumb. But, you know, tales of a uh, whatever you want to call us. New adult. Um, dumb bitches. Um, um, yes. Dumb yeah, bitches. So speaking of the Super Bowl, um, well, we had two Buffaloes in the Super Bowl. Uh, we usually have one, at least in the Super Bowl. Part of it was because the Patriots and Packers got to play a lot of important playoff games. Mm -hmm. Um, But we had our most favorite, my most beloved CU player. No, that's not true. Uh, My third most beloved player from the 2016 Buffs, (laughs) after Cecil and Phil, obviously. Of course. uh, Chido Bewuzie, who uh, from San Jose, California, not from Colorado. In his player introductions, I was told he was not uh, alone in that. Though I think wasn't it like half the no. players said where they're from instead of yeah, yeah. Um, I think like 
Quentin Spain said he's like from the Spain gang or something stupid like that. And then he offensive lineman on the Bengals. He shouldn't be talking shit. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Chino represented San Jose, which is fine. He was going to go to San Jose State until we flipped him. And then he played so well. And then we also had Josh Tupau, who also played pretty well throughout the playoffs. And yes. who's turned himself into a regular NFL player, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> also, I mean, uh, not to get distracted, but imagine seeing – Josh Tupau out of bar in Boulder and being like, yeah, I'm going to fight this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, I don't think that was exactly the thought process that um, may have happened at some point, but uh, (laughs) someone knew that they were going to say something that led to fighting. And uh, yeah, Tupou is a massive human, always has been, played super well for the buffs. Uh, He and Kafavali were both Mike McIntyre redemption stories of, of how actually caring about players could lead them to continue to succeed uh, and play better. So uh, we, I love to see Tupo do well. And Cheetah Bay was good off the bat, uh, was great in the NFL, floundered under the Cowboys tutelage for a while. But No, a- that's not really true. Okay. He was good on the Cowboys. He wasn't great, but he was, like, solid to good. I don't know why they didn't extend him. I think they have a thing against extending defensive backs because, like, they didn't offer Byron Jones a contract extension either. That turned out to be good. But Byron Jones was like one of the top five cornerbacks in the NFL, and they still didn't extend him. So I think it's a Cowboys thing because Cheeto was always good. Well, I'm glad. I mean, this season he was great, I thought. And uh, I thought he played pretty well in the Super Bowl, got himself a pick, which was Yeah. Oh, see. yeah. I didn't even say that. I was just focused on all the tackles he was getting in the first half because he was blowing up the line of scrimmage. And I, yeah. I, didn't, I forgot that he picked off a pass. Yeah, got himself a pick, and, uh, you know, maybe this is a hot takey, but you put him on Cooper Cup and that end zone fade, maybe the Bengals win. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, there's a reason the defense, they were targeting Eli Apple the whole game because that was the weak link. Yeah, Ohio State's not the real DB factory. It's CU. We all know this. Um, yeah, um, I was glad to see Von Miller to see that he had action. And Vaughn won, which we don't like, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. What? You don't like Vaughn? Never forget. Hey, never forget. He injured Rodney Stewart in 2011 uh, on a horse collar tackle. Just saying. Oh, I was not paying attention <laughs> at that time in my life. I think I, mean, I had mentally checked out. <laughs> he's a, it's not like he's a dirty player. He's a cool guy. He's great for the city of Denver, but he did injure Rodney Stewart. Who else? Anyone else more happy got a ring? Uh on the Rams side, I guess Matthew Stafford. We like Matthew I, Stafford, kind of. Yeah, Cooper. Yeah, whatever. Um, I, I was rooting hard for the Bengals. I, uh, of course, they were the underdog. I no, I I just loved Joe Burrow so much. I loved you, and he got hurt. Played through that hurt. Matthew Stafford got hurt. He played through it. I like Stafford a lot too. He threw a a, a no look. Pass. Did you? I, I don't know if you saw that. Yes, to, on the um, game-winning drive, right? Yeah. Um, oh, so other news that happened um, during the Super Bowl, they always announced the the NFL Hall of Famers, and finally, 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 Cliff Branch made the Hall of Fame, um, and that would be the former Buffs receiver, obviously, and then the track star who was on the Raiders in their uh, Al Davis glory days. And I think he won a Super Bowl. He was a multi-time All-Pro and long considered to be the fastest NFL player ever. 
Um, I don't think that's the case anymore. NCU's first pro hall of famer. Yes. That's the most important thing. Yeah. Four time pro bowler. Um, yeah. And if you haven't, please read Jeff Hauser's story about Cliff Branch's, uh, induction. He, Jeff, Jeff is always a man with connections and he has some great quotes from, uh, uh, Tom Flores. Is it Tom Flores? The, uh, the Raiders coach. Um, he got some quotes from Fred Belitnikoff. He, he, he just basically got a lot of his teammates to talk about Cliff, who he was as a player. Um, and so unfortunate, uh, that it had to happen so late. Cause as you mentioned, Cliff has been a legend for a long time and was one of the league's like first true, like full deep threats. I would consider, I don't know. He was, mm-hmm. like you said, fastest guy, you give him the ball, you let him work. It's unfortunate that it had to be a posthumous induction, but I'm glad that he got in. Yeah, I think we forget how prevalent it was in like the 70s and 80s for quarterbacks to just launch it deep and not really give a shit what happened. Daryl Amato, like that, baby. That was the, <laughs> I was thinking of uh, the Steve Bartkowski with the Atlanta Falcons, like yes. that type of just seriously, just chuck it deep and hope your fast guy can get it, but Oh my God! This 1976 Raiders team. I'm looking at them. 13 and one, and they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think Kenny Stabler won uh, MVP that year. Yeah, he. Uh, I mean, Cliff Branch, and also in college, unbelievable deep threat. Obviously, uh, as you mentioned, track star. He set the NCAA 100 meter record uh, at 10 seconds flat in 1972, Jesus. which is absolutely insane. Um, and he, you know, at a time when people weren't throwing the ball that often, he was the best receiver in the Big Eight. I would consider that uh, to be true. He was part of the 1971 team uh, or 1970 team, 1970 team that finished third in the country behind number two, Oklahoma, and number one, Nebraska, which is a very fun Big Eight fact. Um, uh-huh. The only two losses they had that year were to Oklahoma and Nebraska. Uh, I, I don't know. Just fantastic player. Super fun to watch. Completely electric. And please read that story that Jeff put out with with some of his quotes talking about who he was um, while he's on the Raiders. It, it's super fun to read and, you know, sells a lot of respect in the league. This is crazy. He got – I don't know how he only got the ball 22 times in a season, but uh, averaged 26 yards per, per touch. Mm-hmm. And that's half receiving – or half receptions, half rushing yards. So that's just – what the fuck? How do you – I don't know why, like, like just give him the ball more, right? <laughs> it's a different time, man. Like, it's a different time. <laughs> if you have, like, a running – like, if you have a receiver who's, like, nine rushing attempts, 235 yards, and four touchdowns, just, like, throw him some more plays. <laughs> I really – I just – I truly do not get it. But I don't know, man. Whatever. All-time great. Um I don't know if you want to if you're prepared for this, but is he still considered the greatest receiver in CU history, or is that Michael Westbrook to you? Wow. Okay. Interesting options. Um, uh, I mean, what would the other options be? I, well, the problem is CU when CU was dominant, they had really good receivers, but it was a option oriented attack, so mm-hmm. um, some of that doesn't count. But in terms of, I don't know. I mean. You've had some recent additions to that list, I would consider. 
Paul Richardson up there? No, probably not in the full conversation, but he had a really, really good career at CU uh, and was not blessed with some good teams around him. Um, it's probably Cliff Branch. I don't know. He, he was dominant um, and so freaking fast. I It probably has to be him. Yeah, I would – I think I would make – I always argue for LaVisca Schnault because LaVisca Schnault was, like, just so good. Just so good. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think I'm I, – I don't know how to analyze football in a way, and I certainly don't know how to analyze football from comparing the 90s to the 70s to the 2010s. So um, I am, though, looking at David Bakhtiari's Wikipedia page because we – you mentioned – asking the question of who will be the next CU player in the Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah. And we don't really have we don't really have many good contenders. Chris Naoli is might be up there. He had a great career. I don't think so. He didn't play that long. And it's insanely hard to get into Hall of Fame as a guard. <laughs> I looked at Chris Naoli and that's our Twitter <laughs> bio picture. Hell yeah. <laughs> I sometimes forget about that. What he played? He played. He started 150 out of 154 games. Yeah, that's not that many though. For okay, dude. He didn't. He didn't make any Pro Bowls. Nothing. He was good, just not. Yeah, Bakhtiar is going to be, I think, a Hall of Famer. I really hope if he recovers well from his injury, and uh, I know a lot of it is tied to success. So if like Aaron Rodgers is on the out. Packers would be nice to imagine Broncos trading for uh, everybody. Here's a question: it Won't happen, but does what? Mason Crosby make the Hall of Fame? No, 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 no. Really? I, his stats are pretty nutty, bro. Uh, no. Um, why? <laughs> in why order is to make that the so Hall bad for you? A, if 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 you make you have to be like a god level kicker. For like twenty years to make the Hall of Fame, or you have to make like a million game-winning field goals. Um, okay, let's, let's look here. The Hall of Fame. There's four. There's four kickers currently in the Hall of Fame. What, like George Blanda, Morton Anderson, Lou Morton Rosa, Anderson, Adam Vinatieri. Uh, you got Morton Anderson, George Blanda, Lou Rosa, and Jan Stenerud. Who the fuck? No, Morton Anderson. He's from Denmark. Shout out to the homie. Jan Stenerud. Oh, he's from Copenhagen. Hey. I love podcasting. We just look up Wikipedia (laughs) and say out loud. Yeah, you're right. right. (laughs) We're in a uh, a hole here. But yeah, I don't know who the next one's going to be. Bakhtiari is an option. I don't think Solder's going to make it. Uh, no, he's not good enough. Jimmy Smith? No. He's been injured half his career. Okay. You're a little you're a wet blanket. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Do, I, do you want me how many interceptions does Jimmy Smith have? I don't know. What about Bobby Smith? Bobby Anderson. Bobby Excuse Smith. me. Sorry, Bobby Anderson. What? That's oh the my guy? god. Yeah. Shouldn't he be in it already if he was oh see if you know Grant wasn't Jimmy in Smith, it already? You know, you know, Jimmy Smith won't be a Hall of Famer. Do you know how I know that? How it's because I looked up Jimmy Smith stats, a different Jimmy Smith come came up. 
That's tough. If you can't be the most famous. All right. It won't be about being. Um, okay. Regardless, <laughs> who cares? Congrats to Cliff Branch. Uh, for the first time in 10 months, we have an ad to read. <laughs> That's right. Um, and it's another fun one. Uh, and, and yeah, it's a, also an Indianapolis based clothing company. So uh, recently, 199, who is a, a hardware, hardwood focused apparel company out of Indiana, which of course makes sense given that that's the basketball state, uh, updated some of their Colorado Buffaloes collection to include some pretty sweet stuff. They are an officially licensed clothing company, so they work with CU to make sure they have the best designs. And uh, it's, it's all CU basketball focused, which I think is great because generally when you're looking at CU stuff, you're going to see a lot of football things. It's a football focused school, and that's true for some other exciting drops. However, this is a hardwood focused um, drop, and I think that is important given that the <laughs> CU basketball team has carried the hopes and dreams of the fan base on its back for the last 10 years as football has floundered. So, um, you know, they deserve some stuff and 199 has brought it. So if you had to 199 and that is, go ahead. That is one nine, one nine and then nine spell. Uh, oh my God. I can't do this. So it's the numbers one, nine, one and nine. And I N E. Yeah. Yep. And we'll have a link on the article for this podcast. So don't worry about that. If you use the promo code Buffaloes, there's going to be free shipping on your order, which is fantastic. Um, I currently am rocking that sweet quarter zip that has the like, you know, yellow. It's not the gold. It's the sweet yellow. Um, and it's it's really nice. Fits perfectly. And I also uh, happened to receive the uh, the twenty the twenty eleven shorts. Um, so spent, spent yeah the coming up on. I think we're at 11 year anniversary of that Pac-12 championship winning team. And they are awesome. That's going to be the 10 year anniversary. My guy. No, I don't think so. Anyways, uh, sweet stuff. We should think about this. Hardwood focus. They have the, also the fantastic, like 1968, you know, all white, like throwback shorts, which are awesome. They have the interlocking, like CU that CU has currently, they're currently wearing those throwbacks from time to time. Um, and they have a great hoodie with the, the old Buffalo that we know and love. So like Sam said, 199, that's one nine. And then N I N E.com. They got a bunch of stuff. And these, have, these shorts have pockets. Yes. Oh, I good. believe so. Okay. Uh, I can't speak for all products. Uh, promo code Buffaloes for free shipping, baby. Support. Come on. Support tap oil. Support these guys. They're great. Yes. Um, the next thing. Uh, so we have consecutive wins by the CU Buffalo, by the Colorado Buffaloes. Yes. <clears throat> Who did they just beat? <laughs> the ghost beat of Oregon the Oregon State. State Beavers. The ghost of the Beavers. Yeah. Oh, I have I have more on them. Um, but did you watch any of their past few games? Uh, Oregon State or CU? CU, not Oregon State. We don't <laughs> fuck about Oregon. <laughs> I watched all of the Utah game, and yes. I got the I caught up on the Oregon State game. Okay, excellent. And they had just beaten Oregon State the week before, so um, that is three wins in a row. Quite nice. Um, well, they blew at Oregon State the first time. They beat Utah in a gross, disgusting game that uh-huh, uh-huh. thankfully we won. 
Mm-hmm. And then they blew out Oregon State again in Corvallis. On the road, yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't been able to see any of this because when they play against bad teams, the the YouTube guys who like to put those full recap videos, they don't they don't touch the the low tier games. So yep. I haven't seen anything more than a minute and a half recap. Mm. Um, that's really, I mean. This last game was not watchable on the Oregon State side, but Bill Walton was calling it, so that's a plus. Um, and the Utah game, like you mentioned, was just a disgusting effort for a large part of it. Uh, but I'm glad to see this team get back on track. They really slid on that Washington road trip. They had a chance to put themselves in a way better conversation. Uh, and then they dropped mm-hmm. Wazoo and Washington games, and it looked like they really stopped trying near the end of that road trip. Um, there's a lot of different stuff happening. Illnesses, COVID, Parquet was out for the year. It was a skeleton crew. Tad Boyle caught COVID. Wait, what? What? Parquet's out for the year. Parquet's out for the year. How do I – where do you find this stuff? Uh, do you hear this stuff? Tad I... uh, By the way, <laughs> Tad Boyle. There was no announcement. Tad Boyle's never going to announce it, so it's not easy to find. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're running down, you know, it's a, it's a light, tight rotation, um, and they're starting to play together, which is good to see. Uh, what we're really seeing is Jabari Walker's open invitation to the NBA to draft him right now. Uh, he has taken over the past few games. Against Oregon State on the road, he had 24 points and 15 rebounds. Uh, against Utah, if my memory serves, he was up past 20 points and up past 10 rebounds as well. He leads the conference in rebounding. Um, when he decides he wants to score, you can't really stop him. Um, and it's he's, he's I don't know, it, it's gone from like, I hope, see, you can keep him around next year because he hasn't, you know, put it all together to like, oh my God, see you fans appreciate what you're watching because CU has not had an offensive guy like this in a long time. Um, I mean, so I want to apologize because I unfairly criticized Jabari Walker before the season started. <coughs> Sorry, I had a coughing fit not too long ago. So, <coughs> um, great audio quality. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, so I thought that the 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 cart was ahead of the horse with his uh, NBA draft type. And I thought that we were overreacting a little bit to what he shot over 50% on threes. And he's a, a big man and can rebound and everything. So it's like pretty easy to see an NBA player in that. I thought that the shooting was <clears throat> unsustainable and that he had some weaknesses that he really needed to work on in order to be a real player, even in college basketball, not much less the NBA. And turns out he's pretty fucking good. And he has been focused and he, he, I thought that there'd be moments where he wouldn't try as hard. Mm. I don't know why I thought that. Um, I think, I think that when players, I was afraid that he'd buy into his own hype before he had proven himself. Mm. And I don't think that he's done that. And I'm so happy that he plays with so much intensity and he Mm. just like half of the time he gets the free throw line. It's just because he's quicker and working harder than the other guy. And uh, the bright side, I want to say, is that NBA draft guys aren't really valuing him that high. 
And maybe that will trend up as he's playing better. But um, I think he's mostly being viewed as like a mid to late second round pick. Uh, I hate the NBA. You hate the NBA. And he's a six foot eight wing, which I mean, like that's normal power forward size at this point. But he's not that athletic. Um, He's not very polished defensively. He doesn't have like great footwork, good positioning, and he still fouls a lot. Can't really protect the rim, and he's kind of unproven as a three-point shooter. And that's pretty much what NBA teams are looking for from second-round power forward type prospects. So even if, like, Robert Woodard the second at Mississippi State isn't as good of a player as Jabari Walker, he'll get drafted higher because he has those uh, – like, like George King got drafted 59th overall. And I see Jabari Walker 59th overall on Sam Bassini's big board on The Athletic. <laughs> Is George King a better player than Jabari Walker? No, it's just he fits the NBA style more. So I think that that's good news with Jabari is that we're – I don't want to say anything about his family, but, like, if his dad played in the NBA for, like, 12 years, you'd hope hey. that he doesn't need to go for the money. Huh. <laughs> okay. I mean, so, still should absolutely I mean, get the money if it's there. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just, like like, get the money if it's there, but if it's a little bit risky – you can hang out if, if you want, like, like enjoy Boulder. See what, see what everybody's up to if you want to stay um, and build your draft stock. But you were saying that his draft stock might not ever be better than it is now. How, how do you, how do you feel? Um, I know the NBA values youth and I know he's still young. Um, so, you know, if they see that he can, I guess it's, a, it's like you said, though, I think he's pretty polished. Like, it's a weird thing where he's really young. So I think him getting older and waiting a year, he's already proven he can do really well at this level. He can prove he's proven he can attack the boards. He can shoot. So I don't know what else he has to prove. Um, and, you know, if he's still in the teens or like 20 when he's drafted, that's better than if he's coming out when he's 21. However, like you mentioned, I don't know if an NBA team is going to be like, he's young, so we can mold him because he's hyper-athletic, right? It's not like that where yeah. it's like he's just – it's like Tyler Bay kind of was like that, where it's like he's super athletic. We can see if we can get something out of him. He got taken 36th. I, Jabari Walker is kind of already a finished product. Like he's I, – I don't know. He's super fun to watch because he knows how to attack, when to attack. He knows what he's good at on, you know, defense. He can rebound. He can swat. Like there's not – much i think for a scout to look at and be like he's really young we can get him better at this and then he's going to be really good he's not going to be one of those developmental prospects um so i don't know i don't know if his his stock's going to get higher next year if he just completely dominates in college but i also can see how he's not i don't know he's not the type of guy that's going to like blow up after a few years of development in the nba like some of the guys we're seeing right now he's in a weird yeah, spot I, I just don't yeah, I think he – you're right about the age thing, but I don't really think that will get better. And I, I do think NBA teams are smart enough to realize what, like, young players who are raw versus, like, older players who are raw will still get drafted high if the tools are pretty good. Mm. Like, Derek White is a pretty good example of that type of player, even though he was pretty good. Like, he was 23 or 24 when he got drafted. Um, but it seems now like he's Jabari, unlocking the Celtics. 
Yeah, yeah, who would have thought? And uh, Spencer Dimity got salary dumped. Um, <clears throat> but, <laughs> yikes. Uh, but Jabari doesn't really fit into any, like, there are not many ready-made roles for him, his game style. Like, he's not athletic enough to be like a Brandon Clark type of face-up power forward. He can't really defend the rim or the perimeter. He, You said he's proven as a shooter, but that's not really true. Um, What's he shooting this year? He's, uh, it was like in the 20s, but I think it's, it's up to 31%. That seems low. I don't know if I believe you. It's, I'm looking at it. No, it is. And it was 31%. Lower. It, it was like 26, like two or two. I don't know. It's just like I, his strength seemed to be um, kind of being like having that first step, like like he, he hits the other guy first and that type of way. <clears throat> and uh, seems like a lot of his stuff is going to be uh, his strengths are going to be less strengths when he's playing against NBA type talent in a way that's a little concerning. Yeah, I don't know. Not to get it too far away from this year's team, he's been a delight to watch. Um, and like you mentioned, he's constantly attacking the rim, which is super fun. I've been asking for that from a big man since Tory Miller started fading away uh, <laughs> way back in 2014. So I don't know. It's it's. I really love watching him. He also is just a monster on the boards. He's just one of those guys who just has like a natural – he just knows where to go, how to get it. His arms are super long. Um, so I don't know. He's just really fun to watch. And I, I hope he sticks around for next year. I wouldn't yeah. expect him to. I, by, but. by me speaking negatively of him right now, it's just, it's only because I want him to listen and to be like, oh, man, I should come back. <laughs> yeah, you for sure listen to this. Definitely. Um, yeah. But over the past I few mean, weeks. dad does. He's not the only guy that's that's stepped up. I think um, we both can mention this, but as someone who watched a lot of uh, the basketball they've played the past few weeks, I really, Shots really fired. <laughs> <laughs> not your fault. Uh, I really, really love what Nick Clifford has turned into for this team. Um, and if this is his freshman to sophomore league, quote unquote, then I'm very, very excited to see him as an upperclassman. Um, another guy who's just like really fun to watch and his skills are exactly what I want to see. He's like figured out. I think that every time he boards, he can just start sprinting up the court. Like no one's going to stop him from moving that ball. And he has those guard skills to make the right passes. He has the best transition passing we've seen in a long time at CU. Like he is dropping dimes on two on three on two fast breaks, two on one fast breaks, passing at the right time in the right spot. Like and that's creating easy buckets. And then at the half court side, he's becoming a really good shooter. I think Jake Shapiro tweeted out he's 50% from three over the past few weeks, uh, like 12 to 24. Um, and he, he's relocating without the ball. He's a really good, like, controlled driver and, and passer. I don't know. I think he's super fun to watch. Um, and he's one of the best rebounders on the team. Love to see that guy thrive. Yeah, I, I, I adored Nick. Um, I – was I'll always say this. I was really high on him coming out of high school. Um, and he was so bad, so bad last year that it was hard <laughs> to imagine. Like it was hard to imagine him breaking into the rotation. And then when he, when you, when you realize that he was like six foot seven now or six foot six and was challenging the starters in practice, like those are rumors, but 
yeah, once you see him, you're like, yeah, he's six foot six. Yeah, he's really good. I can see him. I can see how he was pushing those guys. Um, and his like that in in season growth was so much like, oh my god, he looks so confident now compared yeah. to where he was. He actually no looks like he knows where he is on the floor, which you can't say. Like I think he like went for a layup and then got lost and hit under the underside of the backboard, like something like that. Yeah. But now he's not doing anything like that. Obviously that's a pretty low bar, but he's fantastic. Well, I mean, and, an easy way to look at that difference too is think about how many times he's dunked to this year, like hard, like not easy dunks, hard finishes compared to, mm-hmm. the, you know, it would have taken those as layups or weird angles before, but now he's just like, yeah, I, I can, I know I'm athletic enough. I'm just going to rise up and DM this. Uh, and it's, yeah, I don't know. He's fun. Yeah, I'm very excited to see how he keeps growing. I I would love to just go full, let him just run all the time whenever he gets it. Um, I love that offense in general, and I love to just run people ragged. Um, so that's a good yeah. transition. Uh, yeah. So with, with no yes. parquet, parquet's out. So Clifford is taking his starting point, his starting position. Um, this team has definitely realized they can play with more pace than they thought. Uh, I also think Bartholomew has got himself in a really good spot on this team. I think he's realized that he can take some shots. He's a really, I, I think he's one of the better shooters. Um, and when he's hunting for his shot, I think he's better than when he's trying to run the offense. Uh, and they've figured out that running is really good. Like this team is definitely athletic enough to push the pace and KJ is never going to not do it. Um, yeah, so there are they, times- they also – they also don't really know what to do in the half court, so it, it works yeah. out. Sometimes. Uh, against good defenses, they don't. <laughs> and, and not even against good defense. Sometimes it's against bad defenses. Uh, it, it just <laughs> stagnates. But, you know, we're I, I want to keep pointing this out as we go through the season. We're now, I think, so they're 7-7 seven and seven in conference. They're 15 and something overall. The next six games are still some of the easiest games left on the schedule. They have a chance to finish sure. 20 regular season wins again as this team gels. Uh, and, you know, there's three people now out for the year from the rotation in Eli Parquet, Lawson Lovering, and Quincy Allen, plus Javon Ruffin, who's going to get a red shirt. Um, so um, what happened to Lawson? He tore his MCL. Dude, what? When did yeah. this happen? That was against was that against Oregon State the first time? No, a few weeks ago. Um, so walk on Will Laughlin is taking his minutes as a six ten former women's basketball practice player, uh, and he's doing okay. You know, he's not he's not the worst. Um, but we're seeing we, we you know, should be covering these these news items on RalphieReport.com. So all of our listeners <laughs> and readers, including me, can know about these. Uh. <laughs> no because like comment. i'm not a, uh, i'm just i feel so out of the loop right now oh my god that's fine this well they weren't playing a lot of minutes anyways but yes we are in a whirlwind no but that that, that was the high that's the highest rate of recruit we've had since josh got so L- loving that, i mean yeah we we kind of we kind of need it in the long run uh, <laughs> um so know, this schedule yeah. We, we on a more positive note. So we talked about the schedule at the beginning of the Pac-12 is that they were going to start with a really difficult schedule and then it would finish nice and easy. Um, home, we're supposed to have home games of Oregon State, Oregon, and then at Cal, at Stanford, and then Arizona State, Arizona, 
at Utah. And then we added at Oregon State into there. So it's pretty, it, it got even easier. And the only really challenging game on here. So, I mean, not that. Okay. I'm going to backtrack that because I forgot Stanford's actually good. Um, Ish. Pretty much all of these games are winnable in a way. Yeah. Except Arizona. Except even Arizona. at home. They are a Arizona's jugger just, not this year. Whoop! Yeah. They're extremely, extremely good and fun to watch progressively. Um, yeah. They could be at Cal. They should be Arizona State at home. Oh, my God, if they don't. Arizona State is, is yeah. They're kind of a weird team, but, I yeah, mentally weak. Um, and then they should win at Utah because they're better than Utah, but we know how that's going to go. Um, yeah, 20s, 20 wins could be on the table. Um, plus the especially if they bust the Pac-12 tournament. And uh, they could, they're probably going to push for an NIT berth. They're probably not going to make it to the NCAA tournament. Um, very unlikely because they don't have that many good wins. They, they Their best win of the season is at Oregon. One quad one but, win. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to hurt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, that was never an expectation. We, we never had that high of hopes to the team. Well, so nationally. I, yeah, as, as we finish up the season, I want to keep saying that they're, they're fun to watch, super young. So I'm going to watch. I'm going to love continuing to watch them as they grow. I mean, it's, it's still a great experience. And if they can hit into the NIT as a high seed, get a lot of that tournament experience, extend their season a bit, get to Madison Square Garden, that's going to be a success. It's a 20, 20 wins at least, hopefully. That's, that's right. the benchmark. Huge success. And then you bring everyone back except for Batty and, and Parquet, which, you know, no Batty's going to really hurt. Um, but you bring everyone back, you get some red shirt guys off the bench that are going to help you shooting wise. And you bring in another good recruiting class next year. Um, so, you know, super fun. I'm loving watching this team. Please appreciate Jabari Walker while you can fans. He is a beast. Oh, were you going to keep going? Nope. Nope. (laughs) Um, um, Oh, I, I, I want to bring it back to Oregon State because, as we know, CU should have won the Pac-12 championship last year. But Oregon State was the team of destiny. What? Poor McKinley. Poor McKinley. Poor free throw shooting from what could have been the best free throw shooting team of all time if they had hit their fucking free throws <laughs> in Oregon State. Um, <laughs> I love irony. Um, but... They, uh, Oregon State is, they won the Pac-12 championship. They made it to the Elite Eight. And not one person thought that that was sustainable, except for the AD of Oregon State. who extended. And the Pac-12 media members who voted them fifth in conferences oh, or whatever. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. And voted uh, Warith Alatiche preseason all Pac-12, <laughs> um, who is now a bench player on – Probably the worst defending conference champion in college basketball history. It's got to be up there. At least like the 70s or 80s. Oh my God. They're three and 20, right? It's got to like, be up oh there. God. The only thing um, I can think of is if some mid major cheated their way to a victory and then just like got decimated the next year, you know? That's what I was thinking too. It, I mean, if it's like power conference champions, they're definitely the worst defending champ. They have to be. Three and, um, what do you say? Three but, and nineteen now. Three and eighteen now. Three and twenty. 
three and twenty. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> they uh, they are somehow not the worst team in Pac-12 history, which you thought they were. They are not the second or the third or the fourth worst. I'm saying team Pac-12, Pac-12 history. So when CU and Utah joined, yes, and I, this is also true. I only look back through 2012. And, uh, well, that's where we find the worst team in Pac-12 history is the 2012 Utah Utes. Who really? Who went 6-25. Yeah, they went 6-25, had like a garbage non-conference schedule. And their first ever Pac-12 game was a 73-33 to loss to CU. Oh, my God. Is that Larry um, Cave this year? Uh, I mean, was that his first year at Utah? I don't know. I thought he was there before. Um, but yeah, so I'm basing this on Ken Palm rankings. So Ken Palm had Utah 302nd in the country that year. Oh my god! And Oregon- oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that's so bad. I oh saw that. I was no! Like, oh, oh, that's unconscionable. For for uh, yeah, I think there's like 320, 351 teams in the rankings. Um, Oregon State right now is 238th, which I think is too high. Yeah. Um, Still, and awful. they're also playing. They're also playing really poorly, so it, it, it'll, it'll probably drop. Um, but there was a. Oh, also that that before I move on that that Utah team, they somehow beat Stanford when Stanford had Dwight Powell, Chasan Randall, and Josh Eustis. <laughs> <laughs> that same oh, Stanford man. team that. Uh, Stanford should have beaten CU on a buzzer beater, uh, but Dwight Powell dunked it instead of did a layup. And he oh, I remember that. The buzzer. <laughs> so, Dwight Powell. Uh, go Mavs. Um, the other, uh, this is also not the worst Oregon State team, according to Ken Palm. In 2017, <laughs> uh, Oregon State was 5 and 27 and ranked 264. Oh, and uh, that Oregon State team also beat Utah. All right, they, they beat Utah when Kyle Kuzma was there, which is pretty funny in itself. Um, and then there was a couple Cal teams that were pretty fucking bad. But, uh, yeah, one of those Cal teams started 0-15, and then they won three straight, and they almost beat CU in the conference tournament. I don't remember that. That, um, that was the Connor Vanover. Do you remember oh, that? Arkansas, man. He was man, just hitting no. dumb fucking threes. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, because that team, they beat Washington when they had Matisse Thibel and Jalen Noel. Yeah, 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 okay. Because yep. <laughs> it turned out that those that having a seven-foot-three trebuchet is good at zone busting. Uh, in case you were wondering, the worst power six team in the, in the country is Oregon State, followed by Georgetown. Um, hey, followed by, I believe, uh, Nebraska, uh, or Pittsburgh. So all great answers, but they are terrible, especially for a lead eight run last year. Wayne Tinkle, ultimate flex, getting that money before just mailing it in. Um, good for him. And, uh, I, I don't know. I have nothing else to add other than good luck recruiting Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. that you're out of Thompson. And tinkle yeah. kids. Pac 12 is super weird. It's like super top heavy and super bottom heavy this year. Yeah. And super mediocre in the middle, right where we are. Um, 
let's completely switch gears. Oh, okay. Uh, Oh, no, I don't want to do this. We have to. It's fun. Um, We are also, since the last time we recorded, CU football has had plenty of goings on. Um, National Signing Day, the second, the original, happened uh, February 3rd, I believe, this year. First Wednesday of February. And CU added a bunch of guys officially on that team to round out the most movement in the Pac-12. If I'm reading everything correctly and based off of my own memory, they have added at least 25 players this year to the roster, new players. Uh, that is the most in the country. Uh, not in the country, excuse me, in the Pac-12. Um, and uh, it should pretty much finish the recruiting class. I think there might be a few more coming and going after spring ball, but um, – a large bulk of the roster is going to be turned over this year. Uh, it's a pretty big transition year. So in the end, the recruiting ranking is fifth in the conference, but that includes, like I said, in bulk, their average ranking is somewhere around ninth, 10th. They're in that same boat as Wazoo, Cal, Arizona state. Uh, if you stretch Washington, Oregon state, like a lot of those guys are in that group. Um, pretty far away from the Utahs of the world, which is sad to say Arizona had a way higher average rating, Um, but they finished fifth uh, uh, on the whole. So a decent class for Carl Durrell. Glad to see these new coaches come in and make some moves right away. Um, And I'm happy to go into detail, Sam, about who they, who has been added in this second period of recruiting. That's so important. Okay. I know one player on here. Answer is. Who is it? Give me a second. I'm going to meet myself. Great. Um, Uh, Ramon Jefferson from Sam Houston Houston State. He's transferring in. Running back. From what, like, a crazy good Sam Houston State offense. Best FCS Um, offense in the country. Yeah, I think the year before, did they have Bailey Zappi? Uh... Yes, the Western I think Kentucky so. quarterback. Because I was now, looking now at Wazoo, their... I think. He, oh, I didn't know that. Man, I love catching up. Okay. Um, no, no, they're I'm Houston sure Baptist. They're Houston Baptist. Okay. Oh. Anyways, San well, I have State. no idea where I found this up because I was looking up their stats and something, something led me to find Ram- Ramon. Raymond Jefferson, uh, before he had transferred from Maine after he had some off the field issues. I don't like, I don't know what if you want to do anything with that because it, it was like some domestic violence stuff, and it's probably something that we should think about. And I don't know like what the due diligence was, so hopefully, everything is checked out. I don't really know. But it is something that we can't just ignore. But, uh, yes, yeah. and I believe that you can't ignore it. Uh, I believe the either the case was dropped or there was a plea deal in place. Yeah, it was a plea deal where he he uh, had he took a smaller charge uh, and then had that dropped in exchange. Okay. Yeah, and it sounds like you know he basically got out of that environment as right after that which I think has done him some good. Uh, but still, like you said, we do want to bring that up, make sure that it's not just forgotten because um, that's important. And um, 
I don't know. Like you said, I'm sure due diligence was done. He's been at two schools since then. Um, and there's been no issues off the field since then. But mistakes are hap- they happen, and they should be acknowledged. Uh, and that's Raymond Jefferson, Ramon Jefferson. We will find out his name. <laughs> uh, yes, and we will um, hear but- Mark Johnson announce it. He will be playing a lot this year. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, he'll be probably the starting running back. Maybe. Yeah, he'll be part of it, for sure. Who? Oh, Fontenot? Can't really forget him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so he, he's going to be a part of it. He's a different feel than we've had before. He's a bigger back. He's going to run through a lot of stuff. Um, pretty solid guy. He's like 5'10", 220 or something like nutty. 5'8"? Five, 5'10", yeah. Okay, yes. But he, he, he runs through tackles. He's a, he's a physical runner. Um. Anyways, he's part of a larger group. There's a few FCS transfers coming in. Um, one of them also, Chance Main, who was on Last Chance U, the last football season of Last Chance U. Ooh, sick. Independence Community College. Uh, and he's a defensive end coming in from Incarnate Word. Um, but, yeah, overall, this, this group, there was five high school signees in this mix, three junior college transfers, and, and five transfers if you include FBS transfers as well. So, you're going to see a lot of from Jefferson right away. Tommy Brown, who's transferring from Alabama, will absolutely start immediately on the offensive line. Yeah, I know um, him. Yes, and RJ Sneed is going to play right away on the outside as a transfer from Baylor at wide receiver. He's going to basically slot into Brendan Rice's role right away. Um, but the other few, there's a lot of development prospects here that I actually like a lot. Uh, Shaquan Bowser from Arizona as out of high school is going to be super fun at defensive end. He might play some right away, but mostly he's, he's going to be – he's kind of small, so he's going to be built up. Um, and Van Wells is a great center prospect from Texas. Um, going to take a while for him to get on the field. I don't know. Fun group. You're going to see a few of the guys, some of the new coaches immediately made uh, a play here. Alex Harkey uh, is a junior college transfer that Kyle Levan got in on the offensive line immediately. Um and, you know, that's a new coach getting a new guy in there. Another fun thing is uh, see you beat out Mike McIntyre for a recruit at Florida International. Uh, Anthony Hankerson, who played at IMG Academy, is gray shirting for CU. So he's going to be a class 2023 officially. But he's a little lightning bug running back who's 5'8", really good Ooh. pass catcher uh, and, and super quick. Um, and, yeah, Mike McIntyre wanted him out of high school. He had a few great shirt options from schools like CU, and he, and he visited CU and loved it. So, uh, a fun win over a former. And we group. can trust that, and we can trust Darian Higgins scouting with undersized running backs. That's exactly correct, and with all running backs, yeah. I mean, he's the one guy that's earned it. So, um, overall, CU has had to replace twenty-one departing transfers, the most in the Power Five, tied with, I believe, Indiana. Um, so a lot of moving parts, huge class coming in. We'll see how they play during spring ball, which is actually coming up pretty quick here. Uh, and I would expect a few more pieces to move as, as we move forward. So take a little look-see. We'll be on top of it. Don't you worry. Yeah. And uh, where do we find stuff about the, all this recruiting? Obviously uh, not RalphyReport.com because we don't report on injuries, but... <laughs> 
Yes, we will. We will be covering recruiting at roundforreport.com. We love our boy, boy Adam Monster Tiger over at Inside the Herd 247. Uh, they have the best news in the game, always on top of it, uh, and they have the best analysts as well. So they're they're scouting ahead uh, too, which we do not have the resources for, or frankly, the patience for. Adam is a saint Clearly. for all of everything that he does. Um, yeah, check both of those places out as we move forward. Yeah, are we done? Oh, last bit. No, one last bit. Congratulate Chidira Uzo-Deribe on his beautiful oh, yeah. new job. Outside linebackers coach at Georgia, uh, who happens to be – oh, my God. I can't believe I don't remember. They won the championship, right? Yes. Yes, duh. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think so. That's yeah, okay. so that reigning national champ, Uzo-Deribe, got plucked from his TCU outside linebackers job – Rising star in the coaching profession got cut his teeth as an assistant at CU. Um, I don't know. We'd love to see it. We'd love to see Buff succeed, especially him. Played all four years under some pretty bad years in the Embry era. Um, and we hope he comes back as a head coach one day, but not before he's ready. A la Embry. Um, so yeah, great, great news for him. Yeah. Okay. And Ryan uh, Walters else? just got a huge extension. Another former buff doing well. Anyways, nothing else. Missouri, Illinois. Oh, okay, that's better. Nothing no, I'm else. Good. I'm done. No. See ya. Yep.